Plenty of time for Stroud. Directing receivers, flips it to the end zone, caught, touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. making a huge impact. Milton taking a shot downfield, he's got a man open, and it's into the arms of Squirrel White. Nix, pump fake, takes off, out of the clear, Bo Nix, there he goes, he won't be caught, he's done it again! What's going on everybody, this is Chris Kay in the Burning the Red Shirt podcast, here again uh, talking college fantasy football, what we're, uh, what Andrew and I are recently up to, um, we have a little bit of an announcement uh, Zach, the third member of our team, has decided he needs to step away for two to three months until the Arsenal season is over. Is that what it was? The Premier it, League or something? He can't yeah. focus on two things at once? His, his exact uh, statement was because Arsenal isn't as in terrible, isn't at the bottom of the table, if you will. Uh, Zach can't pod for until sometime in May. Yeah, well, we do have a rule, kind of like a unwritten rule that, like, if you can't give it your all, you can't show up on the show. So maybe yeah. that's what he's, you know, putting on himself. So I commend Gross. it, and I we look forward to him in in May, post spring battle talk. So maybe that'll be a good time for him to come back in. At that point, we'll be two months away from CFB by my count. We're at four right now. In case you your math was a little fuzzy. Because we're, so we're in March, we're in March, and we kick off in August, right? So if you count the months without CFB, it's April, May, June, July. So we're four months away. I like that reasoning. I like it. Yeah. And you know, with us only being four months away, it makes a lot of sense that we have started and already finished our first <laughs> CFF champion series, uh, championship series drafts. These are real quick rundown. I, we've talked about it before. Basically. Same 12 um, analysts or fans of the game like Andrew and myself. We draft 12 leagues, and we each get to pick from each slot, which is fun. It is super unique and completely different than everything else we do because it is a best ball that is tight end premium in terms of scoring, but also in that there's two that start. So people do crazy things. Leading into yeah. my next thing, Andrew uh, had the first well, pick, the honor. Here, let's give a little more context, right? So 12 rounds, 30 or thirty rounds, 12 teams, so 360 picks, um, double QB, double, double tight end. I forget how many running backs and receivers and flexes. That's But decent amount, right? Um, we I don't think we've ever gotten through one of these in two days. We could have this time if I didn't hog the, the wheel overnight both nights. And we, we finished at what? Did we finish on the start of the third day this time? I feel like that's what we, what we usually average to, but I don't think we've ever jammed it into a two days. So something to shoot for this year. I think we, I think we beat our typical because this felt pretty fast. I think everybody yeah. was pretty much auto draft uh, the last like five rounds because I was playing softball last night, uh, Tuesday night, and like every time I got back in from like an inning, it was like my turn to pick again. I'm like, <laughs> what? what is going on? And then I felt bad, you know, because Kyle he just yells at you if you if you don't go fast and then he he's clever enough to make you uh, feel bad about yourself. So right. the speed was pretty nice on this one, but do you want to talk about how your draft went? You have probably the most unique draft strategy uh, of the entire series happened to the, uh, this week with yours. Well, you can, you can call it a strategy if you want, but 
it was really just like a, a cat chasing cars or a dog chasing cars or whatever the, the, the Joker line is, right? Um, I realized pretty early on that my le my level of research, my level of preparation, probably isn't where it needs to be rel relative to our uh, our friends, our co-patriots, compatriots, whatever that word is. Um, just evidenced by the fact that I had I had a cheat sheet of players I wanted, and most of them were gone by the early rounds of the draft. So that was exciting. Um, but yeah, I drew the first pick, right? So with the takeaway being this is my only time in across all 12 drafts, I will have the first pick and uh, opened it up with national champ, two-time national champion Brock Bowers. Uh, I was between him, Caleb, and Marvin. And I was able to nix Kate, Caleb for two reasons. One, I feel pretty... It's probably false confidence, as was evidenced by my performance in many best balls last year, where I, I was really confident about my ability to figure out what lay around QBs and didn't really work out. But that confidence has returned uh, this year. And that coupled with Caleb uh, getting one less, one less game in these settings, he's got a week zero uh, game. So I feel like in a tiebreaker, it was easy to break the tie against him. I wanted, I was pretty set on Marv until I started thinking about the idea of getting anchoring my tight end premium team with, with Brock national champion dog, all the, all, uh, it, I was able to talk myself into it at the end of the day. I don't hate it. Um, uh, because yeah. this is such a, I mean, I, I think preferably I'd like him like three, four, fifth pick like at the earliest, but like if that's your strategy is to kind of lock in a tight end. I think we briefly on the, uh, off the air have talked about like performances of players last season, or um, drafters last season. And a lot of it was tied to tight end, that success or failure maybe. And that was a little bit potentially skewed because like uh, Clint and Kyle won like everything it seemed like, but they also drafted tight end early. So like I see the value in it for sure. And I think every single drafter did because there was maybe see eight or nine tight ends drafted in the first five rounds. So definitely there was a common theme. Now the question here is, Let's say you're middle of the, of the first round and Bowers is gone. Do you go like a Brant Keithy or Jatavian Sanders, or does that change your early tight end approach? Uh, yeah, I'd probably wait. It's just it's irrational love for Brock Bowers, uh, breaking the ties and really leading me to that strategy. Uh, I would – so my four tight ends, I got Brock, and then I, I felt really good about getting Jalen Conyers in the beginning of the seventh round. If I feel like it wouldn't have been surprising if he went a couple rounds earlier. He looked awesome once that offense figured out that they don't want to be terrible and swapped out Emory Jones for Borgay last year, and they really unleashed him. Dude, Wes, uh, what's his last name? Huber? Mm -hmm. Shouted out Jalen, Jalen Conyers on one of his preview pods, uh, the Pac-12 one last year, but talking about how athletic this dude was, and it's unlikely that he'll ever amount to anything this year because their offense just doesn't do anything with tight ends, doesn't pass the ball effectively. Now they've got Emory Jones coming in, but West loves his high school stats and high school athleticism and all that shit. So he was uh he was super early to him. And then we actually saw a play out to fruition when they flipped the switch on that offense in the middle of the year. Uh, and now with like Dillingham runs a pretty friendly tight end, tight end system too, right? We've seen at Memphis at Oregon, uh, but that coupled with production 
that we've seen to date. I think it's uh, I think I feel really good about him as my tight end too. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with my other two tight ends outside of the idea that I, I didn't really, I wasn't super interested in, in investing early in tight end three, tight end four. And I wanted to kind of cap it at four, just given like I wanted to take advantage of drafting Brock first overall. I spent about an hour researching that dude, David Martin Robinson on Temple that Clint got. And I, I, I was close to talking myself into burning down a lot of the Brock advantage to get that guy. He had like 70 points in the last three games of the season. Um, and I'm reading, I'm reading up on this guy. Yeah, he's had a zil, like he's broken every bone in his body, overcame some mental health struggles, but those stats are fucking crazy. Uh, so I pretty much talked myself into him and then Clint took him. So then I was like, all right, well, I'll just wait a while longer. And then I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do with my, with one of my, my two remaining tight end slots, I'm going to draft Oscar Delp on Georgia and cuff Bowers, but also that dude is like a five-star who looked pretty sweet and athletic in very limited playing time. So I think he could just kind of, he could put up some good weeks agnostic of Bowers panning or not panning out. And then I'll figure out my fourth tight end. And I, I don't really care if that like, like a week here, a week there, it kind of doesn't play out optimally because you got two tight ends on the same team. It's 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 the dogs, and they're both awesome players. And then Greg took him in like the round I was going to take him, uh, in like the twenty sixth, and my my jaw dropped. Uh, so then my tight end three and twenty and four ended up. I'm not super stoked about them. I got that dude, that BYU dude that that transferred to Colorado State. I'm, as evidenced by my draft board, I'm back in on Colorado State this year. I think that uh, we uh, we see a leap in offensive production. I think they score 20 points this year in a game. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think they get there. Um, one of the most amazing stats from the 2022 season that they did not score 20 points in a single game. But they had one game where they had like two defensive touchdowns, didn't they? Yeah, but they didn't get 20 points. But I'm just saying, like, you can't score. <laughs> You can't kick and they like, and they won some games too. Like you would think that it would be a truly historically horrendous season with that stat line, with that stat. But it it could have been worse. And Clay Millen led the nation in completion percentage apparently, um, which is interesting too. Like what a what a weird season for them. But I'm ready for I'm ready to buy back in. I got Clay Millen. I got. The wide receiver to uh, Justice Ross Simmons, who looked pretty good as a true freshman. And I got the guy that hopefully plays the uh, Cole Turner role this year that did not come to fruition for Tanner Arkin uh, in that disaster of a 2022 season. Dalton, Dalton Hawker, whatever, whatever his name is. Um, he seemed he always looked kind of interesting and talented at BYU when he would uh, get the ball. Like, I, I feel like. There is something there. Uh, so not there's worse flyers in the 28th round in tight end premium. And then I my tight end four, I grabbed the Wisconsin tight end, Clay Cundiff, who had a blow-up game in like week two last year before getting hurt. Um, it's obviously not the same Wisconsin system, but Phil Longo was <laughs> he, like they, North Carolina had three tight ends that were catching the ball last year. Uh, um, so and Fickle they, likes uh, tight ends too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leonard, yeah. And Leonard Taylor and Wild. Wisconsin, Wisconsin's bringing in transfer talent from all over the place, right? 
but maybe some of the production that's going to come from that passing game won't just be exclusive from the receiver. Uh, kind of's got a, a lengthy injury history, but seems like they're kind of excited about him. I just reading up, it seems seems like he's talented. So I don't know. I was really grasping at straws at that point and hope and just hoping, hey, I can between Hawker and kind of I can grab two tight ends to complement and supplement Bowers and uh, Conyers. Yeah, I think overall, I, I like your draft. It's a little bit different. You're gonna have to hit on the QB. You're gonna have to hit on the QBs, which we'll get into here in a second. But like, yeah, looking, exactly. at, looking at some of your picks, like I like Jace McClellan at the very end of the fourth. Like Derwin Burgess is good. I mean, Barnes is good at the third round. Like Brew, you got Brew in the fifteenth. Like I'm not even like super high on Brew, but like Brew's been going round nine, ten, eleven. So like that's a good pick. What is the uh, so it, what? Is the idea that everyone's down on him basically that Squirrel's going to run all the go routes, uh, Thornton or Keaton will play X, and then Bruce is going to get like five-yard crossing routes and it's not going to be that valuable? I just think that there's – Squirrel is the one for sure. Yeah. He's like the main guy. And he – like if you watch that Clemson game again, I know. he was running short stuff too, like the quick yeah. passes and stuff, which is like what you hope Brew would get or whoever, right, that you have interest in on that team. Um, I think what concerns me is that like Dante Thornton's super talented and, you know, who, even does he fall back to receiver three again? Right. Like, and the Keaton's been there forever. So there's just a lot of competition. I'm not worried about Keaton, but like, I think there's enough talent around for sure to be a little bit worried about picking brew pretty high. Um, but like squirrel have, is going super high yeah. right now. I have a soft spot for Keaton. I think that he probably, takes wins the X job from a, just from a time and system type deal over Thornton. I think they're competing for the same spot. Uh, Brew will have his, his spot and it'll probably be, I think it'll be off and on peaks and valleys. Hopefully the peaks are not few and far in between. And they're like, they're spiky enough to get into my lineup, which I think is a, a fair, like, I think you can get there. Yeah, Brew at 15 is great. I mean, uh, yeah. not an issue at all with that. And I think, you know, it, it, all it takes is one injury, and then all of a sudden you have this, like, amazing CFF talent. That's why I think, like, Keaton is worth a pick in these things because, like, there's a shot. He wins a starting receiver job, and worst case, all it takes is one injury, uh, and you're getting him super late. So I, I do think there's some value in that. I liked your quarterback let's talk quarterbacks quarterback parade yeah so i didn't even notice this and then until you picked six in a row (laughs) from the 16th through the 21st round you picked six straight quarterbacks because you had zero quarterbacks at the time um and i really like spencer sanders who you got the beginning of the 14th or beginning of the 19th round i was interested though to see if you would handcuff him like would you take sanders and dart back to back because you know, there is you're late enough in the draft that if you're just going to lock in Ole Miss's quarterback, like that can kind of go with the strategy of I'm waiting forever on quarterbacks is you're locking in yeah. a QB, a top 20 quarterback. You just don't know which one it is, which is perfect for best ball. Yeah, I should probably revisit my strategy of not handcuffing uh, in best ball. My it burned me so badly last year, but the way that I. Uh, I'm aiming to fix that this year in this draft, at least. So last year I would, I would play a lot of coin flips where I thought I had where that weren't actually coin flips. And I was wrong a good amount of the time, but 
but I was also only drafting six QBs max, I think, in those drafts, maybe seven. I drafted eight QBs this time with the idea uh, being, if I'm wrong, a couple times, I think I could fall back on my quantity while also having the upside associated with uh, if I get the, the, like the, the guys that I'm taking shots on, the idea is, okay, these systems are amazing. I have faith in these ta- the talent of the players as well. Uh, so if I, if it lands correctly for me, I think that six, six, uh, guys out of eight work, uh, just having job, I think I would feel good about that. Yeah. I think we're a little early in the season too, to not take quantity because I mean, literally you take, you draft six, one guy gets hurt, you get one position wrong, you get one guy wrong and then all of a sudden you're thin. Um, I've seen Mike take Sanders and Dart back to back like mid to late, like 20, 21st round type stuff. So I no Walker Howard, I, no Walker Howard. I don't think you have to worry about that. Um, but I, I do, this did touch on like something that I was thinking and doing in this draft, which was, I like the idea of, I like a lot of these quarterbacks that are pretty sketchy, but like have insane talent, right? Like Donovan Smith, Malik Hornsby, who I didn't get, you know, Daquan Finn's awesome, but, Last year getting banged up, it's not encouraging. Guys like Jaden Daniels, who's technically in a QB battle. So, like, these guys that are kind of sketchy, but I'm getting a little bit later than usual, I think. And what I'm doing is I'm pairing them up with, like, guaranteed starters. So, like, worst case, if somebody gets hurt or is wrong, I have DJU, you know, to fill in. I got Will Rogers super late. Um, and I like Sam Hartman just in general, but he's yeah. another guy, right? Like, so I'm trying to almost – find these quarterbacks that I like that are safer and kind of also trying to one for one it in a sense with. You're um, not worried about Dr. Goldbranson. No, <laughs> no. I think that offense is super interesting. I've been talking to the canvas to Canton guys about, you know, how much is DJU going to hurt Damian Martinez and things like that. I, I can't imagine you have a too deep of a, a thought behind that. Do you? I don't know. I, I don't trust DJU to get over the yips. Uh, and I, the good do- the good doctor is an actual doctor. I thought the nickname was actually discerned in- initially from just his name being like something out of a like historical sci-fi book or something. Yeah. Uh, but no, he's got he's got a doctorate and he's out here winning the Civil War and take and piloting and piloting them to a bowl game. Uh, so even though like he was he was it was so much fun betting on his unders uh, every week. Because uh, like they would be like 180 yards and just like <laughs> <laughs> less, less, less. But I don't like him. I'll, I'll root for him. What's interesting is you know Oregon State. I don't know how many Oregon State games you watched, but they had that Jack Coletto guy, which is like a linebacker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, theoretically, DJ, you can play linebacker and just run the same goal line. I mean, Coletto had like 14 touchdowns the last two years. Did you realize it was that many? Like I had no idea. Like I knew he vultured, but that feels. I felt yeah. very high. And they've had other guys in the past too, not necessarily just doing that, but like that. Do you remember that some guy with the last name Irish would randomly score rushing touchdowns for him, them? I feel like he was a cornerback. Uh, so that, yeah, they do wild thing. They do wild stuff. Um, oh, but dude, they they don't even need to. I don't understand how you can craft an offense like that where. 
in your rivalry game, you're down 21 points in the fourth with like 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Don't throw it past the entire rest of the game and win. Crazy. Yeah. That, that was an interesting weather game too, right? It was like a little bit wet, cold, obviously. Probably. Well, it's fun to see that game be exciting because, you know, for a while there, I feel like it was like a Friday game or a Saturday night game, which is always good to like that Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, they moved it to uh, it was Saturday this past year. It's moved back to Friday this year and they moved it specifically for some acronym that I remember seeing. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is, but what what must have been what could have been so important that they moved the Civil War off of a Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving? Um, I don't, but I don't know the answer, but it's back this year in its rightful spot on the it's, Friday. Of course. Right. Definitely. It's like the apple cup. I yeah. need that on a Friday. I need it on a Friday. maybe Thursday night. Give me that one too on Thursday night. Did you uh, see, um, speaking of good games with at good game times, did you see Oregon state? Who are they playing the first Sunday of the, 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 uh, before labor day? Not not week zero. They they open up. It might be against like San Jose State or something. But they are. So we're get we get a nice two game slate that day, right? We get the the rematch of Florida State LSU at, at night, and I don't know. I don't think a time's been announced yet for the Oregon State game, but that's nice. That's usually a one. Well, in the past, like I feel like five years ago, we would have a, a random day game. I remember like Marshall Purdue one year or some shit. But it's nice to have that back. Yeah, I mean, any, I, I don't mind a showdown for sure, right? But, like, if I can get in, like, two quality games like that, I'm always invested in that. Yeah, definitely. And those are two fun schools too, right? Like, those are two good DFS-type games to, you know, especially, like, you get the random ones, so there's some skills that you can kind of show off in early on. Because early on is such a shit show in a sense if you haven't done a, touch, a ton of research. Definitely. One thing I battled the entire time was laziness. And I mean that because... I just didn't never want to look at bye weeks. Like I, I am waiting for the day that fan tracks and I'm not knocking fan tracks because their schedules are still changing and things, but I am excited for the day that those bye weeks are uploaded into the system. Did you look at bye weeks during this draft? No, I didn't. Not once. I, I, I don't know where things are going to land. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully my quarterbacks and tight ends, uh, the boards kind of spread out a little bit. That's the only thing I did was I looked at, tight ends so like the first three to four of them i made sure that like they were separate or i think one overlapped but you know that's fine and then quarterbacks i did a quick okay yeah not everybody's on the same week all right good whatever after like the first five i drafted so what did you think of my draft as i drafted was anything did anything jump out to you let me look at your team you think so all I'll the give- all the usual amount of prep went into this as you can tell of course i'll, I'll tell the people here my first few picks I went Zachary Franklin, seventh pick. Rome O'Dunsey, the receiver from Washington, second round. Damian Martinez, which is kind of yeah. Tell, tell the people about your fourth best player, Corey Deitches. <laughs> uh, that's the Maryland tight end. He also has receiver eligibility, which is uh, nice. Mean, I'm always down for dual eligibility. Yeah, uh, but I just think he's. I mean, that offense loses like every single receiver, right? I mean, they're pretty thin. And if you look at his season, I mean, he's pretty consistent. Um, you know, he just needs a little, th- a couple of things to go his way. You know, three touchdowns. That's obviously not going to be great in tight end premium. But, I mean, he got a bunch of targets. And I'm just hoping that, 
with um, with all those receivers gone and to his brother, right? He's still there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you got to think that he falls into the top three of targets with a brand new crew, right? You would hope so. God, I hope so for taking him in the fourth round. Pick. Uh, RJ Maryland, SMU tight end. Are you a fan? That's a cool one. Yeah, he's so he's so sweet. So I I didn't think he'd make it back to me. Um, all things yeah, considered, that dude's a total alien. I'm trying to think of what might be interesting in the rest. Um, I got that, so Zachary Franklin in the first round. The like they have they have so many receivers. Well, they have three amazing receivers. DeCorian Clark's coming back from torn ACL, so that's sketchy. Um, but and yeah, it yeah, it always feels like Zachary finds a way to get there. But I don't know. Yeah, I get you haven't started your your famous projections yet, but I'm interested to know how you pro, like how you project. Uh, it feels like everything went about as great as possible for their passing game last year. And if things scale back, um, given how much the wealth is spreaded there, is spread out there, I don't know. I would think that from a projection perspective, it would be like, and just how those things tend to be more conservative. Uh, it feels tougher for him to get there this year. I mean, you touched on it. They have a ton of receiver talent. They all return. They also have what Frank Harris's seventh year. Or is he something sixth like year? Something like that. Yeah. Um, he's super talented. I think Kavorian Barnes, who you took, is an awesome player. So, like, there's a ton of skill talent there. But they are so concentrated on the top three yeah. um, receivers that it doesn't bother me as much as, like, a, uh, maybe, like, a Tennessee situation or something like that where that third receiver all of a sudden is picked in, like, the 10th round, not the – fifth or sixth round like we see with UTSA I mean his 2021 season was essentially as good he just had a little bit more touchdown luck so I mean if you're if you're concerned maybe the offense drops back I don't know how it would happen with like they'd have to have maybe horrible offensive line play or something like that because literally everybody else is back and they're all awesome yeah it's fair that's that's where I'm at and I think honestly I, I don't I really like the pick obviously I do I do not want to go quarterback in the first round and I just prefer I really like running backs from like rounds four to nine range. So I just want to hit on receivers and I do not feel confident at all in receivers in that four to nine range. So I, that's more of a need type thing as well where I feel comfortable with. Hence why I went O'Dunsey in the second round, not like Braylon Allen, who I think would be awesome because there's just other guys there afterwards i like totally <clears throat> it's so funny looking at your team and i feel like this is always the case like we just target different types of uh of different players which speaks to how we just do things differently from an information versus data perspective etc cetera, etc cetera. um who's the guy you hate the most which one uh, there's so many of them um <laughs> Uh, no way I would take Raymond Davis uh, there. I mean, I love Jil- I love Jalil Farouk, but it's... I you I can, I understand the argument for like okay maybe he get he's more Marvin Mims in nature and not playing uh, second third fiddle from a target perspective. He's awesome, so that's that's fine. It's just weird seeing his name so so high up. Yeah, uh, from a draft perspective. 
I was thinking about Eric all, um, I guess I didn't realize he went that early. Uh, it, like I say early is in the 13th round, but like just how tight ends go. So how tight and crazy our league is, um, you basically he actually take, is a good pass catcher, right? Yeah, that's like that's his thing. He had a big like game winning touchdown against Penn State two years ago, like yeah. a catch and run type. Um, in terms of like the tight ends, you basically just times two they're round drafted, and that's like where they're being picked in regular, but like other best balls is like a like a very generic way to look at it. But that's good, yeah. if you think about the other guys around them like Mateo from Cincinnati, Mason Fairchild from Kansas, Mazzotti from um, San, San Jose State, Gavin Bartholomew. Like, there's not a – it gets real thin real quick. You Have know, we discussed the, that I'm uh, I'm looking for ways to back Iowa this year? I think that it's a – like, I, I think they're in for a big rebound. I think that they win 9-10 games. I love seeing the public sentiment come – just everyone looking for a way to pile on them for all the stupid mainstream reasons. They is were so close. Nate, Nate Marquis is the only one who I've seen actually say what was so obvious. If you just do some simple box score scouting that they were like two possessions away from winning 10 games last year. And do you think it's because Ference now has a reason to score? I don't know. I, th- I feel like that's probably not going to be super material. But I, I think that um, I'm interested to see what their win total number opens at. I would love to get I would love to see Vegas be influenced by public sentiment a little bit uh, and just how much social media likes to hate on them. And I'd love to get a number in like the seven and a half, seven range. I don't know if that's realistic. I don't think we've seen a. The only thing that I've seen available on like the mainstream books is like every like there's the only win total open right now is Colorado, which is just so funny. Um, it's been <laughs> open for it's been open for like six months, um, not six months, a couple months. But uh, yeah, I I got Caleb Johnson in here. I would have been interested in the guy that guy Luke Lachey or Lachey or whatever. I think he went in the fifth round. If I hadn't gotten Bowers, that would have been potentially nice. Um, and all also. Eric Ball also interests me, um, but I, I was questioning myself and not really super interested in doing actual research when I saw him going so much later than so many tight ends that I felt like had less of a track record and less of a, a tight end friendly system. But happy to hear from you that I, there's a little less reason to feel sketchy about that. I, I like him. I think he's not, I mean, he's nothing crazy. Like he's not right, order, right. but like he's a solid tight end that can k- prove to catch, you know, to catch the football. He's also, I mean, we love this storyline. He's like best friend slash roommate, yeah. Cade McNamara. Yeah. So if you think he wins the job, which there's no reason for him not to, that's a great leg up. I was talking to Mike about it. Um, I think it's a really good – I think that the question mark is who is the tight end one? You know, the offense can be good for two tight ends. But, of course, Definitely. if you told me that Eric All was tight end one, I would, I would have taken him in the fifth round. But I think yeah. what would be an interesting strategy, which – I can say out loud because none of the guys listen to this um, <laughs> is that you can, I think you should take Lachey, Luke Lachey or however you pronounce it fifth, sixth round, and then take Eric all in like the ninth, 10th, 11th round and just guarantee. I mean, wouldn't you pay to guarantee the tight end one for Iowa? Yeah, it's premium. It's premium. So I think there's some real validity in it. 
You speak on the uh, win totals. Do we want to do our first win total series of the year? <laughs> you want to do Iowa? Yeah, let's do Iowa. Why not? All right, nice. All right, so they open the season against Utah State at home. Got to feel good about that. Even against you know how I feel about Cooper Lagat, Cooper, Cooper my boy. But well, it's gonna be tough, dude. I don't. It's tough to walk into uh, whatever that Iowa City, right? It's tough to walk into Iowa City when you're at G five school and come out of there with a win. That's where G five schools go to lay, lay goose eggs. Uh, so we'll give them a win. Yeah, and I will say the one benefit is Lagat won't be hurt yet, so there is a shot that they pull off an upset. Um, then the classic Iowa move, they play their bitter rival, Iowa state at Iowa state in week two. So I've been tracking. So unlike win totals, spreads have, uh, already started to come out on FanDuel most specifically for games. And they published this, this one and it opened, I don't know where it opened, but I saw it at Iowa minus three and a half. It's like, okay. Um, I, th- I think I agree. I think I was in better shape from a going forward perspective. I'm, I was sketched out by how things netted out last year with Iowa State. They also had some uh, coaching turnover. They're still running out Hunter Deckers, presumably. Didn't feel like they ever really settled on running back. They lose their best player, Xavier Hutchinson. And it seems like they're, they, have some, they had some amazing defense guy also who's getting talked about in draft circles. So I don't know why things are necessarily improving for Iowa State. It feels feels right to me that I was three and a half point favorite here. And then I checked back like a week later and was down two and a half, but now it's at one and a half last I checked. So I'm monitoring that game as well, just from the perspective of if Iowa state somehow ends up getting favored, I'll probably end up betting on that just so I can light some early money on fire. Uh, But I think I was in good position to take that game. Uh, Historically, it feels like they always, even in seasons where Iowa state is the, Better team, Iowa plays above their heads, and Iowa State's usually in a little bit of a letdown in in that game. Uh, and Iowa State, I mean, they got a win pretty recently in that series, I think. But I would give Iowa the win here. I think that the, how both those teams are likely to trend into this year sets up nicely. Yeah. All right. So two and zero, and then they play at home against Western Michigan. I think we can call that a a win. Yeah. Even yeah, though the, the Borgay brother is there, right? Yes, yes. And you are a big Borgay guy. I know that too, correct? Of the Arizona, Arizona State one, the, last year we um, – so my the best part – my favorite part about Maction last year was so many times – like it felt like even more than usual for Maction. We had – what's I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it. Quarterback, quarterback – starting quarterbacks being supplanted – from week to week, um, a guy who was starting one week would be would not be starting the next week, and you could kind of read the tea leaves and see it coming. And FanDuel would put out player props for the dude who was starting the week before, and he wasn't going to play. So you just fire some obscene amount of money at the under on that and pray the guy gets a snap. Right, our favorite move, the best way to bet props. Yep. Um, and I did that with Salopak one week. Uh, where Borgay took the job and all I needed was one Salopec snap and didn't get a single snap. So it's just a refund at that point. Yeah. I think that's enough oh, Western yeah. Michigan talk, but yeah, you know, Salopec is so bad too. You just, even if you started or even yet, yeah. you didn't. The Arizona State guy, that. I mean, it's not, it's not surprising based on 
where they go to school, right? The Arizona State guy's way better though. The the Western Michigan Borgay does not seem very skilled. He's very Mackish. Yeah. Very Mackish. Uh at Penn State. This could be a this feels like a whiteout. This feels like a, a Saturday night game. You yeah, know, we can get Penn sweet. State the win there. I think so too. They play then Michigan State at home. So they are going against Michigan State in three and one. Yeah. I don't have any reason to, to doubt that they're going to be able to come out of there with the top. Yeah, I think Michigan State uh, is going to be average. And I think Iowa, we already say, is, is going to be pretty decent. Purdue at home? I'm not a huge fan of Graham Harrell, Hudson Card. I mean, it, it does – like, I, just reading – their, their coach seems like a, a cool dude, a good dude, uh, even though he's a, a defensive guy, so that's strike one against him, uh, right? But he seems like he's doing some, like just from a personality perspective, there's some things to like. But the the thing that makes made Purdue so interesting and so up, up so much of an upset special type job is because Brom is, was so amazing as a play caller and getting that team in a position to – just to do surprising and interesting things on game day that you would like, you would never even count them out against Michigan against Ohio state going into a game, uh, regardless of how they're trending in previous weeks that you knew that Brom could put a play, game plan together for them to play over their head. Um, so there's no reason for me to have that same sort of confidence about uh, Purdue with a new, new coaching staff. So we'll give a, a dub to the Hawkeyes. Is that game at home? It is at home. Yep. Okay. Dub, dub, dub. I, It'll be interesting to see because Purdue is such a fun like CFF team, you know, from quarterback to receivers, uh, the random running back that was always super cheap if you played DFS. And they hired, I think it's what uh, the defensive coordinator from Illinois. Who had yeah. An outstanding year. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Do they turn defensive focus? Do they become like an Iowa light? But yeah, I agree. I think Iowa there. Uh, so they're going to be five and one now at Wisconsin. This will be interesting because Wisconsin's like a brand new team. Brand new kid. Yeah, I mean, how, how confident can you be in that game? I will give Wisconsin a win just because I think it's tough to say. Hey, they're going to go into Camp Randall, Randall. They're they're definitely going to pull that pull that game out. So five so, and two. They play a couple four games in a row at home now. Okay, they play Minnesota next. At home. At home. Yeah, I feel I feel fine giving them a win there. Uh, Not too much to say. Yeah. I, yeah. Minnesota did a lot of weird things with their offense, so I'm interested to see, like, how they actually play because they're the running team that added, like, four receivers to block, we would joke, right, like UCF did. Uh, so six and two, I believe it is. All right. Home against Northwestern. That's a that's a win, right? Yeah. Uh, home against your boys, Rutgers. <laughs> see. That doesn't that feel like uh, an easy win for Rutgers? No, some, some well, would give, say that. Some would say that we can give Iowa a win there. All right, uh, home against Illinois. They'll be a pretty brand new team, losing a ton of defensive talented guys. Defensive coordinator. They'll have a uh, former Andrew Katz guy, uh, Luke Altmeyer, will be there. They lost Chase Brown. That game's at home too. That's at home as well. You cut out for a second. Did you say it's a four-game homestand? Yep. Dude, does this team play like 10 games at home this year? 
<laughs> I don't <laughs> know. Like it's at home. pretty incredible. Um, Altmaier feels like the perfect QB for that situation. I'm super interested to see how it plays out. Like they were able to get a lot out of Tommy DeVito in the way of just getting vic- getting victories and getting outcomes and results. Altmaier, though, you're right. He, he he's still in my good graces, um, but I don't know how you can say yeah they're going to go into Iowa and win. So we'll give Iowa the win. Yeah, it'll be. I'm really curious to see what they do. I, uh, Isaiah Williams is back, which is really interesting. I saw. I, I forgot about him, and then you picked him. Yeah, trust me, I forgot about him too. And then people kept taking him. You know, it's that whole thing. You don't want to be the guy that drafted the guy that's gone. So a right, couple of players, right. a couple of players. I don't know why Devin Mockaby is like that guy for me. I'm like, I think he's back, but I don't feel confident. So I'm just he just get, he got put on scholarship. He's he's back. Well, I know he's back now, but at the time, you know. All right, and then they finish the season out at Nebraska. At Nebraska, man. Who knows how that team's going to be? I think they do. They they, win. They had to, all they had to do, I think, I assume it was at home given that this year's 2023s is going to be in Nebraska. So all they had to do was beat Nebraska at home last year to get into the Big Ten title game and lost like 24 7 or some shit. Um, Nebraska was real bad, too. Wasn't even yeah. like did Casey Thompson not get picked in our best ball or did he end up going? Let's see. He did not get picked. Yeah. There were there were definitely some interesting names that didn't go. Jeff Sims uh, didn't get picked either. Who? Jeff, Jeff Sims. Sims. Yeah, I wonder how that's gonna work out. Uh I mean, presumably that's the reason neither of them got picked, right? Um I don't I don't really that it feels like anything could happen with that squad this year. I'll play it safe and give Iowa a win, though, just because of the the wide range of outcomes associated with Nebraska. But I feel like the Iowa floor is it's the Iowa floor. It's not going to be too low. Yeah, I mean, we gave them 10 wins there. Um, they play eight home games. And they, play in the big, and they play in the Big Ten West. So, like, Man, what is, I wonder what that win total is going to open at because there's no way – It'll be, gonna, it's going to open at like nine, nine and a half. I, think yeah, I would be, think it opens at eight and a half. Eight and a half at the lowest. You got to think, right? Like everybody knows they play in the Big Ten West. Like these, <laughs> the schedule is not like we didn't really stretch it. I don't feel like we gave them the loss against Wisconsin. We gave them the loss. You don't think that Miami, Vegas like, just makes lines off of social media sentiment? That's not the driving factor in their I mean, uh, model possible the only game that we gave them a win that i'm like okay it could go the other way really is the iowa state game yeah that's so I, I mean it, it is very close to a point flip i don't know how you can make an argument otherwise but i feel good about it yeah so well zach missed the first one um <laughs> spontaneous win series here but uh yeah I, I mean any final thoughts going into uh Final moments here going into maybe I thought second draft. One of the more interesting things in our draft was how the the difference between where different players who ripped their knee apart or just were out for the season went in totally different spots in the draft. Well, it didn't feel like there was that much difference between them. Like DeCorian Clark, when did he get hurt? It was definitely like November or something along that range. Yeah. He went, I don't remember when he went, but it wasn't that late. It was like in the 10 to 12th range, I feel like. And he's so he's so awesome. I wanted to get him 
but Stay after around. reading up on like he's still rehabbing the ACL unsurprisingly. Right. Um, but so he goes there and like Jordan Tyson goes undrafted altogether that I don't know if you, did you catch any Colorado games? Which they, he was last awesome. Year? Dude, he's incredible. Everyone knows it. it's wild. Like I was watching the Colorado Arizona state game, uh, like one of the five viewers of that game last year. And that was like, the first that was Borgay's first start, and I was like, This dude's awesome, and Conyers is awesome. And Tyson is just going up for jump balls over like three defenders every like that was the only way they that outside of running on Arizona State's horrible run defense, that was the only chance they had in the passing game. And that was his like huge breakout game. Then he tore up Oregon and then he's out for the year. Um, but yeah, everyone knows he's awesome, but the problem is he ripped his knee to pieces in November. Obviously, they're, they're bringing in as much transfer talent as they can, but you would think if he's healthy, he's a starter. But he has to get drafted, and then dudes like DeCorey and Clark goes super early. And, like, what's the difference really between them from a recovery standpoint? Like, we're not doctors, but just, like, from a timeline's perspective, you'd think all things are fairly equal. I don't know. Yeah, I, I it's a little shocking. I think people worry about his health for sure which they should then worry about Clark, right? Obviously the big difference is the competition. Like Clark is at worst receiver three, as long as he's healthy and Tyson, there's just so many receivers. It'll be interesting though. Like he was incredible with an awful team. Does he, uh, does he just take that receiver one title back? And like, what does that receiver one like title look like for Colorado? That's like a big question mark too, is like, are they spreading it around a bunch to all these different guys? Are they going to just throw it to one or two? Like, so I think there's big question marks. Um, that is why the difference, but yeah, it is interesting. Is there any, any doubt that Curtis Rourke's not going to be back? I love Curtis Rourke. Is there doubt? I, I don't I, know. He got hurt mean from like a transfer perspective, from a health perspective. <clears throat> yeah. It's a good question, right? He it was an ACL for him, right? Yeah, and he got his in prime match, and so you're talking <clears throat> November-ish injury. So you you would think, I mean the the craziest one, like I don't know how you can have any sort of confidence that Cam Rising is back in September, even though what like what's his name Winningham? I uh like that dude is so sketchy with everything like. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be super surprising to me if he just trots out the dude on like 60% of a, a knee to for for their games, like do the, similar to like the Logan Bonner uh, corollary from uh, Utah, from their the 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 state school of Utah um, in 2022. But like he ripped his knee to shreds in the Rose Bowl. And like so in January, how is that yeah. dude going to be back? for a game on September 3rd or whatever it is. And we're banking two top 10 tight ends on the health of him. Like, I don't know if anyone is confusing the milk farmer or whatever that, that, that dude's uh, the backup <laughs> profession is. I don't know if anyone is, oh, is really baking into their expectations that that dude is going to help uh, two tight ends get to, to justify value in the top 10 rounds. I will say I have not taken rising or maybe just once late, but I am now a little bit, a little bit worried about taking Yasmin and Keithy uh, early because of that comment. It'd mean nine months. That's pretty fast. 
Yeah, Yasmin went early too, right? I, I mean, just ninth like everyone round. else, I wanted, I would, I would have liked to have ninth round. Yeah, that that's rich. Um, it's, I mean, that's the price for any sort of surety associated with your your tight ends, right? In this league, he seems really, really um, athletic and awesome, and we saw him flash it in a kind of a limited role last year. So you can dream on it, and he probably gets there if the passing game is at all decent, but rising has to throw something of a wrench into that. Yeah. One quick note on Curtis Rourke in Ohio. I love Curtis Rourke, Sam Wigless. I think those are like awesome. If they're both, if Rourke's healthy, I think one thing to be worried about is the fact that obviously he got hurt end of November, but then also they play week zero. So like it's, it's twofold. Like he's got yeah. two bye weeks in a basketball. Uh, and also like, that means he's got to be ready a week earlier. So who do they play week zero? The only good part about it is they play San Diego state, which is like theoretically one of their heart, like that non-conference hard opponent that they always play yeah. for money <laughs> is the game that you don't need to worry about a dud. But I mean, I guess what it doesn't matter if it's week zero or week four, right. I guess you could say. So you're not paying for week two, you're paying, you know, you're paying Rourke for week seven to 12. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that we could hop on uh, and talk a little bit of uh, best ball drafts here, do our first win series. Hope everybody enjoyed it. And uh, schedule's a little bit crazy these days, so we're hoping to keep it consistent once a week. We just don't know what day. So just uh, bear with us till the season's here in four months, and uh, we'll get it rolling. Go on, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>